I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. I'm going to look at just at verse 9. These are the, the words from King David towards the end of his life. He's sharing to his son, Solomon actually shared to a group of commanders, a group of people that he had assembled to come together to to speak some final words into them. And now he turns to his son, who's going to become the next king, and he says this, and he says, and Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. You know, towards the end of David's life and towards the end of anybody's lives, um, what they say, I believe, takes on greater significance. Because they're like, here's, here's what life is all about. And their words are, are maybe shorter and, and fewer, but they, they pack more of a punch. Because here was David after living many, many years, and, and he's saying to his son Solomon, here is the key, here's the secret. Solomon, my son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Learn to know him, not in your mind, not just some facts about him, but learn to know him intimately, heart to heart, know his heart, know his thoughts, know his will, know his desires, walk with him every single day. And that is what David did. And that's what we are invited into. And frankly, we have a greater gift in the, in the very fact that the, the spirit of the living God is in us and we get to walk with him and know his thoughts and know his ways every single day. And our, our challenge is, and our invitation, frankly, is, is in these words of David to seek him, to pursue him because the promise is then we will find him. And I so want us to be a people, I want myself to be a person that knows God intimately that walks with him, that knows this, this book, not for a sake of knowledge just to fill our, our mind, but know God's thoughts and God's ways so that I don't have to wonder, oh, what would God do in this situation or what would Jesus do? No, I know what to do because I know his heart from reading about it in his word. But to also be people of prayer who know that we can go intimately to our Father and pour out our hearts before him, all with the hope and the desire that people would see something different in you and I. You know, that's the vision that I have for, for my life and your life and all of us together is that people look at them and they're, uh, look at us and go, you know, here's a people that are different. Sure, they look similar to us, but the way that they handle life's events, the way that they go through life, it is just different because they have a relationship with God. I love Acts 4 verse 13. It's not up on the screen. But I love this picture is because here was Peter and John went to the temple to pray one day. And they encountered a man who had been crippled from birth. And uh, he was asking for money. And they come up to him and they said, we don't have any money, but what we give, we give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And they grabbed him by the shoulders and they yanked him up. And instantly his ankles became strong. And then they used that situation to proclaim the gospel. And thousands of people came to put their trust in Jesus. And the religious rulers, they were all upset, and they're like, what's going on? And they looked at Peter and John, and it says they were astonished and amazed because they were ordinary people, unschooled, ordinary people. But what set them apart is they had been with Jesus. I love that. 
I want that to be true of us. Like people look at us and go, there's a bunch of ordinary people, but there's something going on. Oh, it's because they have been with Jesus, because they know the God of the universe intimately, because we're walking with him every single day. And that has been like the heart, my desire over the last couple weeks as we have been talking about this simple truth and this reality that you and I were saved, were changed by Jesus, but we're also continuously being changed and transformed by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we sitting with the Lord? Are we spending time? Are we putting our lives in a position to be transformed by God on a regular basis? Because there are things in my life and your life that need to go. There are things in my life and your life that need to grow. And it happens as we sit still and be with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this morning, I just want to wrap up this conversation and, and talk about one thing that I actually think is, is very foundational to our lives, something that maybe some of you have some, some baggage over, but something that I think we should, should do on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, because it has so much impact in our lives. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Flip over a couple pages to Exodus chapter 20. If you look at this section, it's uh, the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to look at verse 8. Moses is receiving these commandments from the Lord, and, and this is the Lord saying, like, this is how I want you to live. This is the way for you to experience life. And this is the longest commandment that, uh, that is listed in the Ten Commandments, and it says this in verse 8, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And so here is this, this command. Here's, here's one day a week the Lord is saying, you know, honor and keep the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days you shall work, six days you shall do your, your normal thing, but the seventh day is, is a day of no work, a day to stop, a day to do nothing. And here, kids, if you're, in this, you're hearing this and you're reading this, this is a great excuse when your parents come to you and say, hey, you need to do something today. You're like, nope, I'm taking today and just resting. God said. What's that? Yeah, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome, Dan. But here is, is, is something that God said, like, here is a day to take a day and rest. Now, we look at this, and this comes crashing into our culture of, like, we have to hurry, and we have to hustle. We have to do all of these different things, and how can I ever do, uh, how can I ever set aside a day to rest intentionally and to be filled up? There's so many things. I have to keep going and going and going. Well, if you're thinking about that in this room, let me just read the next verse. and puts it into perspective. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. If the Lord rested one day, don't you think we should? Do we put ourselves above the Lord and say, no, I need to keep working, working, doing all this stuff and be super productive. And then I read this and it's like, no, the Lord, he worked for six days and then he rested. But I look at this, and I look at this command, and, and, I, and I, 
I think about this whole idea of Sabbath and, and taking a day and setting it apart as holy, and, and it comes crashing into my mind of like, you know, all of the baggage that I might have as a kid. All the times where I heard, like, you need to rest on the Sabbath day. You need to, to do this on the, on, on the Sabbath day. You need to rest. And you look at the culture of the New Testament, and quickly they looked at the Sabbath, and they're like, okay, here's something that we need to do. We need to rest on the Sabbath day. So what can you do, and what can you not do? And they missed the very heart and the very reason behind the Sabbath day, behind one day setting it aside as holy and taking a day of rest. And I believe that you and I can quickly lose sight of the why behind this. And so turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, Jesus speaks into this. And Jesus was always doing things on the Sabbath day, healing people, delivering people, and it actually got him into quite a bit of trouble. And so people were actually wanting to kill him over the fact that he appeared to be working on the Sabbath. Now, just a little side note, Jesus never went against the Sabbath. He did rest. What he did do was he went against the religion and the traditions that they put up. He didn't go against divine law. He went against human law. He's like, yeah, these traditions, uh, uh, that you're, you're, you're missing the point here. And so Jesus is always clarifying what the commandments were all about. And so we see this little interaction between Jesus and some people in Mark chapter 2. And we get a little peek as to why the Sabbath is so important. Verse 23, it says this, On the Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And I love that. In verse 27, it says, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. The Sabbath was made for man. And I love this, this heart where we get this heart of God. God saying, like, this is for you. This is, this is what you need. And they totally miss the point. They totally miss the point. They thought, oh, the Sabbath was meant for, like, I have to do all of these things or make sure I don't do all of these things. God's saying, no, the gift of this one day, the gift of a day of rest is, is something that you need. And so they missed the point. And frankly, like for years, I mean, we can think about all the, the things that we could or could not do on the Sabbath and maybe miss the heart of taking a day and resting. I mean, we could have conversations around this room about things that you could or couldn't do on a Sunday growing up. I mean, many people, I've heard this, they, they would go to the lake on a Saturday and cruise around in boats and sea and have a great time, but then on Sunday, boom, nothing. Or they couldn't play with friends. I had to sit inside and, and not do anything. I had to lay on the floor, like, just relax. My, my parents were like, no, you can't do anything on, on Sunday. I remember talking to one guy who said he doesn't go out to eat on, on a Sunday. He's like, because I don't want people working. But he said, I will stop at the hospital and eat in the cafeteria because they have to be there. I'm like, okay, I get your point. But we look at this day and we try to like think of all the different ways around it, and I think we miss the point. Now, I believe we've gone from over here where people are like, don't do anything on a Sunday, to way over here, and we think we have to keep going and going and going, and we, do, we totally disregard 
what God says and saying, keep the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We go and go and go and fill our lives, and the result is we're exhausted and we're living from a place of weariness instead of a place of rest. And so I think the question that we have to ask is, why is Sabbath important? Why are we to keep it? Why are we to obey this? Because, frankly, we would say, like, we need to obey the other nine commandments. No one would say, like, oh, in the New Testament, you throw out lying, you can lie or whatever. No, we would say, no, these other nine commandments, we still obey, so we need to obey the tenth or the, the, the commandment to keep the Sabbath day holy. But why? In light of Jesus, why? And I would say this. I'd offer up two things. First of all, the Sabbath reminds us our rest is in Jesus. The Sabbath reminds us that our rest is ultimately in Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews really puts it in a powerful way in, in talking about rest. It says, God's promise, verse 1, of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news, the God that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them speaking of those in the Old Testament, the Israelites. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world, we know it is ready because of the place in scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in the other passage passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. What is it saying here? It's referring to the Israelites. It's referring to, to God's heart for them, that, that God wanted to be their God, to be their king, to, to be them to be his people, and he was going to give them this place of rest, this promised land, but they disobeyed. They didn't believe in God's plan, and so they disobeyed him, and they doubted, and here God's plan for us as people are always to be a people who live from a place of rest, to have a rest deep down in our hearts, a rest that can only come from Jesus knowing that our relationship with God is secure only by putting our faith in Jesus. There is rest that is available to us, and our rest is ultimately found in Jesus. It's a rest from self. It's a rest from um, striving, religious striving. It's a rest from thinking that we have to earn our salvation. This Sabbath is a reminder uh, that our rest is ultimately in Jesus. I think about our world, and I think of the chaos in our world, and why do bad things happen? It's because people aren't at rest. There's turmoil, there's sin, and there's evil. And so Jesus, when he came, he didn't abolish this rest, but he ushered in a deeper rest than the Sabbath could ever offer. He's like, your rest is only going to be found in me. And that comes by putting our faith in Jesus. You know, what's interesting is everything in our lives begins from a place of rest. Everything in our lives spiritually begins with rest. We don't do anything to earn salvation. We sit there and receive, and we say, yes, Jesus, we believe and receive the good news that, that come from you, the gift of salvation that comes from you. And we get strengthened as we sit and rest. Sabbath is such a powerful reminder that our rest is ultimately in Jesus. And so every week we get to come back to this point of saying, wow, God, thank you for doing what I couldn't do myself. Thank you for the gift of salvation. But I also believe there's a very practical part of rest as well. Sabbath is a gift to be received, a gift to rest. 
a gift that we get to, to, to stop, a day to stop, a day to, to delight in the Lord, a day where we get to, to, to say, you know what, our life has been going, going, and going, and I need to get my focus back on who really matters, on what really matters. It's a day to delight in all that he's given, all that God has given us, a day to be filled up instead of another day to be used up. But there are two things that we can do on the Sabbath I see in Scripture. In Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The Sabbath is a day to the Lord or dedicated to the Lord. It's not just another day to rest, to kick up our feet and and engage in self-care. It's first and foremost a day of worship, a day to orient your day toward God. It's not the same thing as a day off just to, to fill our lives with doing more and more stuff. No, there's a purpose behind it, and the purpose is to focus on God, to focus on our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he is the one who gives us everything. He's the one who holds our lives in the palm of his hand. And so as you think about a day of rest, as you think about the Sabbath, I would ask, what helps you worship? What helps you get your attention on God? Is it serving somebody? Then engage in that. If it's coming together for worship, and I think this is such a powerful time, and Hebrews 10 says, don't neglect coming together and and worshiping, but encouraging one another and, and seeking the Lord together. I think that is very important. That gets our minds off of the things of this world and onto our Savior. So what helps you worship? I mean, this is so important. It's a day to stop and know that the Lord holds us, that he gives us everything. It's a day just to sit and be with him and to be filled up. But it's also a day of rest, to play. It's a day of pray and play. Yep, and it can be that simple. The other six days are, are spent giving and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out. And the truth is that we were not created to go seven, 24-7. But as the Lord sat down and rested... All of a sudden, there was this rhythm that was a part of our world. Six days of working and one day of resting. And so I would ask you, what fills you up? What is restful to you? And we have to war against being legalistic in this, that it has to look the same from person to person. Because one thing that, that helps me rest might be different for you. Might look differently for you. Terpstra was... And I were talking, and she said something that I thought was really, really profound. She talked about her dad working in a factory, working with his hands. And so he would rest with his mind. He would sit and read a book, sit in a chair and read a book. I'm like, huh, that's different for me. Because I rest by mowing my lawn. I work with my mind and, and, and talk with people, and so I rest by working with my hands. And so you might, rest, you might work with your hands, and so rest means working with your, or resting with your mind, or you might work with uh, your mind, and so you're going to rest with your hands. So it looks differently for each person. But I just wonder, what would happen? What would our life look like? What, are, what, what would our world look like if we took this seriously and lived from a place of rest instead of just going and going and going? Because this, again, gives us a picture of God's heart for us. He's like, you need this. Jesus says, Sabbath was a gift to meet the needs of people. And so this week, this afternoon, I would strongly encourage you, you have to plan this. You have to be intentional with this. Talk with your family and say, what would it look like for us to take a day to intentionally rest, to turn things off and to fill up, to be focused on the Lord, but also filled up physically? Years ago, I had an intern, and she decided she was a student at Hope College, 
And she decided to take a semester and really take the Sabbath seriously. So Friday night, she would close her books. She wouldn't do any homework. And all day Saturday, she would um, spend time praying, spend time like in worship, and then would also uh, start drawing. She started to paint, actually. And throughout that whole semester, it started off a little rough. She's like, oh, I just feel like I'm not doing anything when I'm taking a day of rest. But slowly, it got better and better and better. And she discovered that she actually had quite the gift for painting. And she would give those paintings to different people. But she also looked back on her semester when she took this seriously. And it was a semester that she was at the most peace and the semester when she got the best grades. Because she took God seriously and was like, no, I'm not created just to go, 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 but to start from a place of rest, to be filled up so I could pour out. And so that's my desire for all of us, is that we live this way. Live in light of David's word to know God intimately, to be filled up by him so that we could be poured out throughout the rest of the week. So I want to pray, and then we're going to sing one more song. God, I thank you that you created us to have a relationship with you. I thank you that that's your desire. That's, that's the thing that you want the most out of us, is to know us, is for us to know you. So thank you that that's even possible because of your son, Jesus. Thank you that, that you have made a way for us to be reconciled to you. But I also thank you, God. Thank you that you're not mysterious and distant, but that you invite us to come before you, to sit with you on a regular basis. And so I ask, God, that you would give us pictures and dreams and ideas and thoughts of what that would look like to sit with you regularly, to have our mind and our hearts fixed on you, and for us to be filled up by you. Thank you that you desire us to work from a place of rest, to be so filled up that we go out and pour our lives out before other people so that they can see you. God, thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Thank you for the gift of rest. Thank you for that you know exactly what we need. So I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us right now. Fill us today. Thank you that we don't have to strive to prove ourselves to you. Thank you that it's already been proven by your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.